Thanks for joining us again here at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. That's Chase, I'm Josh, and we are here to give you part two of Loki, where today we will cover episodes three and four of the very first season of Loki here. I know last week we left you guys off with episodes one and two, some really great things that came up to play, things that are going to change the way Marvel is uh, structured from here on out. We're going to get a little bit more into that today. Really excited to do it too. Uh, you know, as this goes on, this is one of those series which each episode gets better and better, in my opinion. So, uh, with that being said, I'll turn it over to Chase to say a couple words, and we'll jump right into it. Yeah, man. No, this uh, it really kicks up a notch today with a lot of the action and find out more of the details on the variant that we're tracking here. So, I'm ready to dive into it once again. Thanks for all you guys do for us, being our loyal fan base, and uh, ready when you are. Cool. Let's do the old cheers, Aru, with the the bottles we got here, the old ballast and the chalice. And then what I'll do is I'll give a quick recap in case you guys missed last week's episode. I'll just, you know, blaze over some quick detailed high points and then let Chase kind of take us away with episode three. And I'll close this out with episode four and then we'll do our debates and all that fun stuff. So uh, let's go ahead and do it, my man. The bottle's up in the air. Cheers to you. Cheers to me. The best of friends will always be. So here we go, my man. <laughs> oh, badass. People sail ships, people sink ships. No ships like best friendships unless they're sailing to Ragnarok. Then, you know, then you die in a big pit of burning fire from Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> but no, not here, Bursky. Fuck yeah. Let's keep this multiverse going, motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Let's do it. Malice in the chalice, baby. Off to the pit of misery with you. Sounds so, like a plan. I'll go ahead and give a quick little recap of episodes one and two that we did. Uh, a couple big things that we see. Loki, back in 2012, uh, when they did the, the whole end game, going back in time to try to grab the Infinity Stones. A little accident occurs. Tesseract gets bumped out of the briefcase, slides over to Loki. He grabs it, and he goes off to this other area. But that's a big no-no. All of a sudden, we see people come out and arrest him. They call it from the Time Variance Authority. He's standing in trial for crimes against the Sacred Timeline. We see that... Apparently, this TVA is something that controls all things to make sure that the, uh, the seamless passing of time goes according to the sacred timeline that we're going to learn a little bit more about today. Uh, it, we find that they, the people in the TVA, they hunt down variants who cause nexus events and branch off from that sacred timeline. And our Loki is one of the ones that did that. But before they go ahead and just well, they, we call it, we'll prune him and get him out of there, uh, our boy Owen Wilson, Mobius himself, uh, he steps in, says, hey, this guy might be able to help us track down another variant that we're looking for. So we got, we're kind of figuring out that the, they're tracking down this really, you know, this person that's kind of giving them a hard time, it seems like, for years and years. And we'll learn more about that today as well. And so while this is happening, we're learning more about uh, the TVA. And Loki himself is learning a little bit. Of, I would even say learning a little bit about himself, too, because keep in mind, again, being in 2012, he doesn't know the events. He sees his life events play out almost like a film on screen. Uh, it kind of has him kind of in a, in a sense questioning his purpose. So he decides he's going to do his part, try to help out a little bit with the TVA, what they can do, because we all learned that the variant they're tracking is a variant of Loki. And so they end up going, uh, figuring out where this variant is does uh, kind of reside in a certain apocalypses since they don't register on Nexus events because the whole timeline is about to be destroyed in those apocalypses anyways. So they figure out where she's going to be, or I should say at that point in time where that variant's going to be. 
Uh, just kind of gave away the game a little bit. But uh, anyways, we, long story short is we end up finding out who, who the variant is. is not a version of Loki that you would expect. It's not like a replica of him. It's not like his child form. It's not, you know, whatever. It ends up being Lady Loki. And she's the one that's been giving these Minutemen of the TV, TVA such a hard time killing them kind of at will. And we'll learn more about her backstory here coming into this week and then more so, uh, again, going into next week where we finished out Loki. So with that being said, while that kind of closed out with last week was she ended up escaping from the apocalyptic area in Roxcart, left a portal open just long enough for Loki to follow through. Loki makes a split decision of he's going to stay with Mobius at the TVA and make the right decision or he's going to follow the variant and make the quote-unquote wrong decision and he decides he's going to follow the variant through the portal and that is where episodes one and two left off that kind of brings us into where we are today and i'll let chase go ahead and take us away with episode three here yeah man so uh first kind of starting off right we have almost like i called it almost like a westworld moment (laughs) like it was kind of like the moments with mave and dolores used to have right um but we see the variant so the girl loki we don't know her well we don't know her name yet we'll find that out later but so we see her with remember the agent that she like dragged out through the time door so remember when that agent was attacking all those people during that event that jay nelly told us about last week so we see them and they're interacting just sharing drinks having a good time and then all of a sudden the agent that was dragged out the door so i called her, her sasha the cast i think her name was sasha i looked her it name, up so i just came up with a name yeah What's no her, her name na- yeah her name in terms of the show is c20 so it's like another okay like you know how we talked about last week hunter b15 a lot uh this one here is, uh, is called c20 c20 okay there you go so c20 uh realizes that she does know the place and she knows the variant loki somehow um as this is happening so the camera zooms out and then the variant loki shows that she is enchanting with her green i called it green finger but she's enchanting uh c20's head and she asks how do i find the elevators so then we're back exactly where we were kind of before brings us back into modern day and the agent says they're gold so she tells them exactly where the variant girl Loki needs to go. So the Loki variant winds up kicking ass <laughs> trying to get to these elevators, right? As the TVA agents are attacking them while trying to make their way to and, the elevators and then even like vaporizes one and prunes them. But then I at say, the same yeah, Can sorry. I say something there too? Because remember last yeah. week what I told you guys that something really important that C twenty said last week? was going to come into the very opening scene here. Remember when they were at that Roxcar apocalypse in episode two, where she said, I told her how to get to the timekeepers. Right. We learned, no, wow, sir. now like exactly. she, this, this is the moment in the, in like, it's almost like a flashback uh, that she's having in her head of the moment that we learn where the timekeepers are and how Lady Loki got that information out of her when she said they're in the golden elevator, like, you, you take the golden elevators. So like, it was like a, like, a something that we learned last week that we're now coming into full circle here right now of exactly how and what she said to let lady loki know how to get to the timekeepers and she had told her to you know find the golden elevators so thought that was pretty cool to notate that this little full circle moment that i mentioned from last week how it's gonna come up right away 
and here it is there you guys go quick full circle i'll turn it back over to chase <laughs> that was perfect though that was great no was, that's uh that's what i think really makes like this series too is all the detail they put into the writing and we always talk about this on the show writing in my opinion is really what makes a series like that's the bread and butter of it and you can tell like the writing in this show is phenomenal also uh speaking of kind of like full circle loki follows her by pulling out the knives he usually uses so just like he used on thanos and just like in ragnarok it was kind of cool having him have these like full circle moments of his standard timeline in his life where he's using his it's basically goku's kamehameha <laughs> for loki is what this is this is badass dude uh so then the loki variant gets in the elevators kicks the tva agent's ass in the elevators one by one which is freaking awesome uh and then loki engages in combat with the variant and then says uh like as he's about to get his ass whooped i was thinking we could work together but now i see you lack vision <laughs> so i was uh then all of a sudden ravana ravana shows up in the elevators with more agents and well, then the loki oh sorry yeah, they didn't quite get in the elevator yet. They, like, it was right at the elevator doors. At the doors, they, yeah. Yeah, they okay. didn't quite get in the elevator. They had that little fight scene. They, she took out the TVA guys there, about to enter the elevator, and that's when Loki kind of stops her and follows her plan. They had that little tussle that you were just talking about, and they had that little stalemate where, like, they, like, he has his fist up and she's got the sword up, and that's when Ravona comes in and where you're going to go, go into right now. Yeah, yeah, so right outside the doors. Yeah. Haven't entered yet. Um, but yeah, this is when Ravona shows up, and then this is at the moment where the loki variant realizes there's really no escape at this point uh with ravona and all the agents so she takes loki hostage and says come any closer and i'll kill him and this was the funniest part ravona goes go for it <laughs> like whatever who cares like he's not my problem but loki then hits the tim pad i called it transporter but the tim pad is what they call it in the show right it's the tim pad in the variant's hand and it opens a door in the floor and him and the variant fall through the floor where it made a time door so they escaped uh and then everyone's like what the hell is going on right but so the variant tries to reset loki but the reset battery is dead so how convenient timing for loki <laughs> the god of mischief here um but what we realize here is where they've entered it's almost like this apocalypse going on where pieces of the moon are like raining down from above and hitting the ground almost like asteroids and us uh, and so the variant goes where did you send us and um it says lamentus 01 and the variant goes you idiot this is lamentus one and Loki says, I don't know what that means. And then Mendes, uh, the variant goes, the moon on this planet is about to crash and destroy all of us in this apocalypse. Uh, and then, uh, and so then, let me, yeah, let me sorry. Tie, tie some things up there as well, too. So, like, one thing I want to notice, too, is when they kind of went through that door that took them to this world in the first place, they land in that really nasty, like, room-looking thing where they find in the bed and they start fighting each other. One right. thing we realize loki has his magic back like he like, does this, yeah he does and this is that something that's mm -hmm. important to note take is like now he can use his full powers and you know part of his powers are disappearing and re reappearing places so it's like 
interesting how he does have his magic back and the magic that he has actually ends up giving him an upper hand I would say over Lady Loki and you know going into what you're talking about so apparently the place that they landed on that is the moon and it was going to crash into this other planet and it kind of pans out you can see like the the planet and the atmosphere that's coming towards them on that moon that's the lamentous one is a moon and it's crashing into a planet and that's what you can kind of see it in the atmosphere almost very similar to chase and i when we talked about eternals and you could see the celestial's face like outside of the earth's orbit very similar to that you can see how close the moons are like the moon is to crashing into that planet and that's where things are falling down and, and going there so i just wanted to make sure that that was that was clarified but go on ahead brother yeah no that was perfect uh so right at this moment this is when the variant lady loki says she looks at loki with the tin pad because they're kind of going back and forth and she says i don't know where you got that tin pad but if you blow up it blows up and then i end up blowing up <laughs> so you kind of have this chain of events where you know they really have to work together at this moment to both make it out uh, alive of the situation so they also, make it to this shelter at this abandoned mining shack this is cool and, too though like one yeah. thing i want to talk about that is like the before that happens and they kind of how many times did they fight each other here like i don't know five or six times they kept going back right and starting and be like yeah. but remember what she tries to do to him she tries to enchant him and her powers don't work right. on him because his mind's too strong so like that like we see what she's able to do in the past episodes and like touch people's minds and has full control of it she can't do that to loki like he's too strong like the mind is too strong for her to do it and i thought that's something that's really interesting and something that definitely take note of that this enchantment can only work on certain individuals and doesn't work i should say more so it doesn't work on certain individuals and we know what loki is like technically he's a god so it's uh it was pretty cool that she tried to use that enchantment power and just failed miserably didn't happen at all so yeah go yeah. ahead man oh no that's perfect that's actually what i had next ah. so <laughs> yeah so that happens and then loki uh proposes a truce so and uh the lady loki as we're calling her tells loki that the plan you interrupted was years in the making and loki responds by saying what's the plan and she says there's a town near here and can you shut up just because i have to work with you doesn't mean i want to hear your voice and loki reminds her all right well we'll shut down the well uh <laughs> we'll show down variant so basically what's going on here is they're going back and forth um, and basically trying to get out of the situation they're in. But Loki says, how long do we have? And the variant says, 12 hours or so. And then the things down here are only going to get worse. So you're going to have more meteors, earthquakes, and then a collapse of a society in a face of annihilation. Eventually to this point from where they're getting off, trying to get out of this location before everything turns into a massive chaos, they find a building that potentially could charge the Tempad because the Tempad is dead, which is why she couldn't reset Loki. So the variant opens the door, and it's an abandoned house with a resident that has a—I guess it was a gun. What would you call it? <laughs> I like like, call it like a yeah, it was like a cannon blaster that just blasted energy. Like it didn't kill them or anything like that, but like, but it seemed to produce some sort of energy field that like knocked them back. And I think now now is a good time in terms of what because she already introduced like what she wants to be called as. So we've been calling her Lady Loki this time, but now she you know, she introduced herself and like because he says you're a variant of me and she goes by Sylvie though. So we can start calling her Sylvie now. Um, yeah. But mm -hmm. just going forward, 
But yeah, that weird thing that at the door that she because I remember she she didn't like Loki didn't want her to kick the door down. She's like, no, like diplomacy and guile are much more like uh, better for this situation. And she didn't listen, and she kicked the door down, and that lady, boom, blasted her with that huge gun. But then, like, Loki tried to do the same thing in a way and, like, take the form of her husband, and she fucked him up, too. So I thought that was That was perfect. (laughs) That was great. Yeah, and to your point, like, right before then, that's where uh, Loki says, I'm sorry, but I'm not calling (laughs) some faded photocopy of me, following some faded photocopy of me. And then Sylvie goes good because that's not who i am anymore i'm sylvie now so just like you said yeah says um said her name finally so we know exactly who she is so at this abandoned house right so loki tells her (laughs) the civilian lady that they mean no harm she doesn't believe him at all loki tries to disguise himself as her old husband Patrice, and it doesn't work at all. She blasts his ass to outer space again. <laughs> Just blasts it back. Well, that's not gonna work. So, and right off the welcome gate. See you later. And then Sylvie asks the lady where everyone is at, and she says, "The Ark, the evacuation vessel." So now we know where everyone on this planet is. Sylvie mentions it could power the Tim Pad, and that's where they need to go. And Loki asks how they get there. The lady goes, the civilian, the train station is at the edge, but you will never get a ticket. Sylvie and Loki get to the train station. They try to board the plane. Loki disguises himself as an agent to make it look like he's transporting Sylvie as a prisoner, so that way they can get on. But as they do this, the agent doesn't buy this at all. Sylvie then touches the agent's arm to enchant him. It's almost like mind control. And then the other agent agent then radios a message for the tr- prisoner to be transported. So you can start to see how Sylvie's, pow- Sylvie's powers really come into play, which is a very interesting thought, like why she has these powers and Loki never really developed these. Because we see, you know, Loki can make photocopies and mirror images and duplicates but we've never really ever seen him enchant someone. So I thought this was a pretty cool power. But on the train, so Sylvie tells Loki she taught herself how to control other people. And Loki and Sylvie, then, of course, they're cheering, kind of like just glad they made it out alive, right? And uh, then Loki takes Sylvie's champagne because she declines it and goes... I'll take yours. <laughs> so it was great. Fantastic. Classic Loki. Just not giving a fuck. <laughs> drinking is drinking the sorrow way, baby. Drinking the sorrow way. And then he goes, so on the subject of love, is there a lucky bow waiting for you at the end of this crusade? And Sylvia says, yeah, there is actually. Managed to maintain quite a serious long distance relationship with a postman while it's running across from one apocalypse to the another. So you can see she's clearly being sarcastic at this point. And then uh, Loki just goes, and with charm like that, who could resist you? She says, well, people are quite willing, in fact, of certain doom. He goes, well, I'm sure they are. So he responds, it was only ever just to keep me going. How about you? You're a prince. Must have been would have been princesses or perhaps another prince a bit of both i suspect the same as you but nothing ever (laughs) he goes i suspect the same as you but nothing ever so he says real 
love is mischief then and then loki says no love is a something i am going to have to have another drink to think about and so we start seeing this point so you see there's a little spark in connection between these two which you know we see can always go into something else later but loki just gets completely blasted drunk take a shot yes i still fucking remember so take your fucking shot <laughs> go ahead jay nelly <laughs> yeah oh no, i was just gonna like like uh double down on what you said here because this is another revelation too that people normally don't realize especially if you haven't read the comics or know anything about norse mythology so I'm just going to reread that part again just so you guys can know what I'm talking about here. Chase did a, did a great job with it. I'm just going to reread it so that way you know exactly what this part I'm speaking about. So when like uh, Sylvie asks him about his love life and says, How about you? You're a prince. Must have been would-be princesses or perhaps another prince. And that's when Loki responds, A bit of both. I suspect the same as you. So that's the part I wanted to highlight right there. So really, Loki, in this Marvel Universe... He's bisexual, and it's not like that because he's had he's had uh, he's just he even said it himself. Like I've been with princesses, I've been with princes, and if you guys realize this in North in Norse mythology, this is where Loki came from. This is where they, like Marvel got this idea because this isn't just something you know some comic guy came up with off the top of his head. There is something called Norse mythology. That's like with like the Vikings and Valhalla and all that stuff. Loki, the god of mischief, is actually gender fluid in the Norse mythology. He takes on multiple forms of varying genders. And it's really cool, and this is just an interesting fact of this. He even one time turned himself into a female horse and had sex with a stallion, which produced an eight-legged foal. So, like, Loki, <laughs> like people, people think that, like, Loki, you know, just think about him just like a standard person and, you know, the, the way they go about, like, a gender-normative life, but that's not the case at all. Loki's bisexual, and well, he's really actually gender fluid, meaning he can turn himself into anything. Man, woman, different species, doesn't matter. So I thought that was really cool how they were able to tie that in there. They did it quickly, and they did it like really, you know, um, it was kind of like, a, I don't know how you would call that, like subliminal. They did it very subliminally. Subliminal. But like, yeah. that's the, that was really cool that that's where they decided to throw it in there. So that's the only thing I want to mention now, because it's very easy to miss if you're not paying attention. So, if you guys didn't take a look at that, go right back to that part Chase was just talking about there in episode three here in season one of Loki, and and you'll you'll see it. So uh, I'll give it, turn it back over to you. Yeah, no, that's a good point too, because also at the same time it, it supports like social justice issues and stuff, which is a, a big part. So that's great stuff. Speaking of interesting facts, so we got like the best part of when he gets drunk. We know we love songs on this show. Factor <laughs> Melody, baby. Malice in the Chalice. I'll play the Malice in the Chalice card to share the interesting facts on this song I ever so researched. Oh, fuck yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it because I must, just to reread you what the Malice in the Chalice card says... You may play the Malice in the Chalice card at any time during the podcast. may only be used once per podcast host per episode. When Malice in the Chalice card is played, the other host must eventually immediately finish their thought, give the floor to whatever topic the holder card desires. Oh, both hosts must drink. Both hosts must drink. So Malice in the Chalice, good sir. Malice in the Chalice, baby. 
I love Drink how Chase plays the card and has to say the phrase Malice in the Chalice six times before he's content. <laughs> like, oh, fair <laughs> enough. Even though we've heard it like every episode for a year and a half, <laughs> still made sure I read it to him. Anyway, so for a Malice in the Chalice card. So Loki actually sings the song. It's called Jexalor Mingunjor. So that... um. I think it was old. I'm not exactly sure what language it's in, but it was actually written as a tragic tale for this Marvel series. And it was supposed to really describe Loki's Loki's uh, past endeavors that have occurred, which is really interesting. And so as he sings the part where he's singing it, the song lyrics he says is, in storm blackened mountains i wandered alone across glaciers i traveled forth in the apple orchard the fair maiden stands and this is when he sings when will you come home when will you come home come home come home (laughs) he's completely entirely obliterated um and so the exact words because there's actually a full version of this song i'm not very good with foreign language Unfortunately, I wish I was. Uh, I'm not going to read it in foreign language. I'm going to tell you in English what it means. Because in foreign language, the first two lines are Mintrons Donzor, OG Fossens Donzor, something like that. So y'all would rip me apart on this podcast if I tried that. So I'm just going to tell you in English. Y'all can look it up, though. So remember what I told you. It's spelled J-E-G space S-A-L-E-R space M-I-N space g-a-n-g-e-r jin salor min ganjor but it says the full version is but the trees dance and the waterfalls stop when she sings she sings come home but when the trees dance and the waterfall stops when she sings she sings come home in the storm of black mountains i wandered alone over the glacier i make my way to the apple gardens because when she sings, the fair maiden sings. When will you come home? But I dance and the waterfalls stop. When she sings, she sings come home. But dance and the waterfalls stop. When she sings, she sings come home. And I think that's the reason I threw my malice in the chalice card on this is because it's ironic that this was made for the show for him to sing this as he's drunk. Because you can almost tell that Loki at this point, it's almost like he wants that relationship, but he hasn't found that right person yet. So almost like a foreshadowing moment, once he finds that right person, he'll do anything for that person. So, and of course, all these lyrics that you're hearing there, they were all in like ancient Odin, I guess I would call them. So I just find it so detailed, like how we were talking about, you know, the writing in series is the bread and butter. And that's what I think is so great about the writers of this show. They even threw a song that's not in our language in here that when translated, it actually really tells uh, almost like the underlying, like just like Mobius said, what makes Loki tick? Like, what's his journey aspiring to be? What's he trying to find? And it really just show a foreshadowing moment for him. So, and my Malice in the Chalice card goes off to the Shadow Realm. Anything you wanted to say about my little interesting fact there? 
Not at all. I thought that was cool. That's more than I I looked into it at all. All I said was an I thought it was just an Asgardian folk song. I didn't even take a second look or listen to it, man. You're you're the song guy here, so uh, I am glad that you uh, you did a little extra on it. So that's good stuff, man. Yeah, man. Man, see, I thought you would have done that. I remember you were the song guy at Harry Potter. You had all the Sorting Hat songs. <laughs> Go back, tune into our Harry Potter episodes. You'll see. Uh, Jay Nelly's got a little factor melody for you. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay. So at this point, so I did like what Loki said here. He said, love is a dagger. It's a weapon to be wielded far away or up close. You can see yourself in it. It's beautiful until it makes you bleed. But ultimate, when, ultimately, when you reach for it, and then Sylvie finishes his sentence, it isn't real. Well, he goes, yeah. And, um... Then it, what's funny is too, like, like so the dagger, um, when Sylvia is like reaching for this dagger, it disappears. So it's kind of like almost like this spark is gaining between these two. What's cool too is like that that whole sentence. It was he was going so well with that metaphor because she even picks on him. She's like, "That's a terrible metaphor." He's like, "Yeah, like I got it kind of got carried away from me." But like the first part of it up until like the the where it says until it makes you bleed. That, if he would just stop there. That was awesome. Guys, think about yeah. that. Like, like <laughs> love is a dagger. It's a weapon to be wielded far away or up close. You can see yourself in it. It's beautiful until it makes you bleed. Like that's if that's just stop right there, that's a excellent metaphor for love. Like that's awesome. Very happy that with that. Awesome. But then he that ruined it by like like I think it's probably because he was drunk too. He just like lost slipped his mind <laughs> what he was gonna finish it off with. So yeah, I thought that was cool though. No, that was great. Remember he even goes, Damn, I thought I had something there. <laughs> that was great it's almost like that guy in the bar plays all his cards right and then she's like i have a boyfriend and he's like oh shit man <laughs> i gave it my all <laughs> i almost did everything i could that sucks <laughs> sometimes you just strike out and it's meant to strike out man um so then at this point though i called him like the train guards like the guards of the train enter and then ask to see loki's tickets for the train and it almost reminded me of like uh i forgot what movie this is from but he's like where are your tickets <laughs> like it just goes south right so loki throws a dagger and misses sylvie goes awful through and then loki eventually gets thrown out of the window after kicking a guard out the window in front of him sylvie then dives out the window and follows him and then holds a knife to Loki's throat and demands the tin pad. Loki then makes it appear, and then pissed, Sylvie then screams, and an explosion of green just comes straight from her hands. And the tin pad is fried at this point, so which is what made her scream. So the tin pad is fucked. Like there's no resetting shit at this point. So why is that? Why is that bad? Because now they can't get off the planet and they're fucked that's why yeah exactly uh so at this point the only way to get off the planet is loki and sylvie have to decide to try to hijack the ark and leave the moon that they're on sylvie then tells loki that the enchantment works by making physical contact with someone and grabbing hold of their mind as far as enchanting someone she says some minds are easy to take control of but others are tricky because even though she is in control of a person, it is still present in their own mind. So if you think about this, even though she's in control of someone, deep down they could probably break that spell and break out of it. 
wouldn't you think? Almost yeah, like Hulk, kind of. So very similar because she even said it herself. Like for the ones who have weak minds, she can control it no problem, and it's there's no issue. But for ones who have a little bit stronger of minds, they're present in there and they they like actively trying to fight her, and so it makes it a little more difficult. So I guess it just depends on the person she's enchanting more than anything. I thought that was um, that that important too. Um, also, I think this is important to talk about that arc too, and why the arc is like why it's key, and it's not just because like this arc can get you off the planet and save your life but this is an apocalypse meaning this arc actually never in this timeline never leaves the planet it gets destroyed and so they're going to try to change the outcome of this apocalypse that's what this whole thing is right now so this whole planet does get destroyed that arc in the timeline that this takes place in never makes it off the planet it gets destroyed along with everything else and so now this part of the plan like Chase was saying to hijack it is to only make it so that Ark does get off the planet now as opposed to the original plan of this timeline where it wouldn't. So that that is something that is going to change the course of a whole timeline or like what we would assume until you know what later on happens. But I think that's something to keep in mind. That was perfect. Oh, that was great. Uh, I did want to say here that Sylvie mentions to Loki that the way she preserves that connection, it's kind of like Inception. Like the movie Inception, if you've ever seen it, she creates a fantasy from their own memories in their mind. So I thought it was really cool, which plays a full circle moment to where she was with whatever that agent's name was earlier. I can't remember her name. Jane Ellie probably does. <laughs> but like why she created that memory of them, you know, sharing drinks together and she thought she was actually there, that agent. Yeah. What was her name? C20. C20. There you go. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course Loki here is funny he just goes and you call me a magician <laughs> so it's pretty funny just kind of like a stab at her um, and then uh, Sylvie says uh, that that young soldier from the TVA in her mind was messed up everything was clouded and she had to pull a memory from hundreds of years prior before she even fought for them. So that's a big key for later later on, hundreds of years prior, so don't forget that. Um, and then Sylvie tells Loki that before she worked for the TVA, she was just a regular person, and Loki interjects and then says, he was told that everyone that works for the TVA was created by the timekeepers. So now we have a problem, because some, in the words of Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, somebody lied <laughs> somebody lied fuck yeah a little foreshadowing for later on <laughs> anyways uh so an announcer then all of a sudden over the intercom you hear this big intercom and it says five minutes until launch final boarding call you hear all the citizens and the people are screaming and chaos is in the streets buildings start collapsing and falling on people uh and then fire from asteroids is coming down crushing into things uh, Loki and Sylvie start like beating ass on guards and kicking and punching them, throwing them to the ground, trying to get to this this launch. Right, um, a building actually almost falls on Loki, but Sylvie stops in midair. It's kind of like the Wanda Vision thing. It's like Wanda, <laughs> but with the enchantment. Now well, we like, have the no. Green the building Wanda. was actually stopped by Loki himself. He it was Loki that stopped the building with his magic and pushed it back up to like where it was. Sylvie didn't stop that. That was our guy. That was that was our boy. Loki. Oh, I was thinking Sylvie stopped. No, that, that, okay, like, yeah, Loki cool. saved Sylvie's ass there. He, <laughs> he, 
he stood in front of it and did that like like our like arm thing to the side and like with that energy pushed that building back okay up. gotcha yeah yeah that's pretty cool so that's a that that sparks a interesting you know what great debate card i'm playing the great bro debate come on card, you're like two baby. you're two you're like two points from finishing the episode Let's finish the episode and then do the great fine debate. then i'll play the card <laughs> <laughs> fine here's my two points though so anyways so sylvia attacks the guard seizes them and then uh the buildings of course continue to collapse and explode and are on fire and then that ends the episode and that's well, all we know almost so <laughs> let me go <laughs> and then the episode's like, like fuck it we're done so the <laughs> big problem with that the only thing that you really missed there is that the arc it's so we see a meteor crash into the ark and destroy the ark and yeah. now we know that there's no way out of the planet because just they didn't get there basically they didn't get there in time their plan was to get there in time to get that ark off the the planet or off the moon that they were on before the asteroid hit it and destroyed the ark and they failed they didn't get there in time the ark is destroyed they're fucked there's no way off the planet like they, they are stuck there in that apocalypse um also one thing i want to say too before you play a great debate card is I'm actually going to throw out that full quote when you, were, you, you did most of it between Sylvie and Loki about uh, C20 at the TVA. But the reason yeah. why I want to say it is because, like you said, with the, the little uh, Tobey Maguire quote, like, oh, somebody lied. Like, you're right. <laughs> I, I want to like, do the full thing there so it kind of makes people realize, like, oh, shoot, Loki kind of said something like this back in episode one. You know, like, Loki mm-hmm. maybe predicted a couple things, right? So to start back from that one, like, that's one dialogue between Sylvie and Loki. I talking about that enchantment. Sylvie said, that young soldier from the TVA, her mind was messed up. Everything clouded. I had to pull a memory from hundreds of years prior before she even fought for them. And like you were saying, Loki replied, what? What did you say? Before she joined the TVA? Yeah, she was just a regular person on Earth. A regular person? Yep, loved margaritas. And Loki replies, I was told that everyone who works for the TVA was created by the timekeepers. And Sylvie says, that's ridiculous. They're all variants, just like us. And Loki says, they don't know that. So that was like, like this whole time, Loki, you know, they, Loki was doubting himself a little bit, thought that the TVA was the greatest power in the universe, but little did he know, he was on to something back in episode one. So that's the only thing that I was going to add. And that, you know, like you said, ends up that episode. So we can go ahead and play your, uh, your great debate card now. Great debate card. So... Who has more power, in your opinion, Wanda or Loki's? So, say you even combine, because I guess maybe they don't have technically the same amount of abilities that they've learned so far. But as far as the species of what Wanda is and what Loki is, who would you take in a fight to win and why? Who do you put your money on? I want to hear it from Jay Nelly's perspective. I put my money on Wanda <laughs> for sure. Like, like I don't even really think it's that close. I mean, remember, like if Loki was so great, how did Thanos wipe the floor with him with just one Infinity Stone? All he had was the Power Stone, and like he he took Loki <laughs> he took Loki out in the first like ten minutes of Infinity War, picked him right up by his neck and choked his ass out with the Infinity Gauntlet with just one pot like one Infinity Stone. Wanda. Like busted Thanos up, like was stopping him from closing his thing with all six Infinity Stones. Or I'm sorry, 
Well, he had five out of the six Infinity Stones, and she, on the other hand, was destroying the other one that was attached to Vision's head. So like, she had the power to destroy an Infinity Stone and stop Thanos with five out of the six on his gauntlet when Loki got fucked up by just the Power Stone. So, yeah, man, I'm taking Wanda in that fight. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, what if Loki had the power of enchantment? Would you give ever give Loki the edge? No. <laughs> no (laughs) absolutely not because like we just learned how enchantment works it all depends on how strong a person's mind is or not remember when sylvie tried to enchant loki she couldn't because his mind's too strong well like i have a feeling that you know wanda scarlet witch's mind's pretty strong too man (laughs) i don't know i don't i don't yeah i don't i don't really favor loki in that battle man yeah actually i mean you could use Uh, we haven't covered it yet on this show, but you could use WandaVision as an example. So go back and watch that. So I have to agree with you. Yeah, I think uh, just based on the fact of, you know, Wanda was able to hold Thanos on her own <laughs> for uh, Infinity War for a small amount of time. And then in Endgame, where she lifted him up and he had to rain fire on everybody <laughs> just to, like, escape. Yeah, and Loki got his ass handed to him in the first two minutes, like ceased, deceased in the first two minutes. Yeah, I'm taking Wanda. That's really sad, but yeah. Oh well. But I tried to give, tried to give your boy some help, but clearly no, clearly no. And the great debate card goes to the Shadow Realm, and back to Jay Nelly for episode four. Sounds like a plan, man. I mean, well, I mean, before we, we start episode four, like, what do you what do you take away? Is what are some of the things that you liked about this episode? What are some of the things that really stood out to you? Uh, I mean, we have some major moments that play a big role in the future here. <laughs> so, a lot of it about the past and how with the TVA. So that's where a lot of people need to really pay attention. Other big takeaways, I love the fact that Loki is getting trashed and trying to play his cards right. <laughs> so or not playing his cards right. Like maybe you don't maybe you don't really know your maybe it's like he just has a lot of built up problems that he doesn't tend to show a lot of people. So what's funny about this episode too is you're really kind of starting Mobius isn't even really in it. And you're really um starting to see almost ironically like a full circle moment of what mobius said like i want to know what makes loki tick so you're kind of starting to see that and see that other side of him whereas in all the other marvel films we really don't get into loki's head like we don't really know all about that we kind of have seen him as a selfish um untrustworthy asshole (laughs) it's really kind of the way he's been and now we're kind of seeing what has made him him over the years. So, yeah, what about you, man? A lot of, the, a lot of similar things to what you were saying. Um, I thought it was cool to kind of get an idea of certain powers that Sylvie possesses, like how enchantment works, the struggles that can be like can complicate the enchantment. Um, we see Loki and his own powers as well use a few things that yeah, we maybe not have seen in other past works like him being able to push that building back up somehow uh also just 
the whole idea of uh, this was I don't want I don't want to over exaggerate I'm not gonna say like of, of this episode or of this series this is the episode where like are they really screwed now because it ends out with like oh shoot they couldn't they can't get off the planet they've got no chance of the temp pad is as no there's no charge of the temp pad they couldn't get to the ark in time now they're stuck on this moon that's being destroyed by crashing into this other planet and <laughs> meteors are falling everywhere and they're they're kind of screwed so it's it, one of those episodes where it, are, are we in despair yet like are, are the people that were followed are they gonna be able to get out of this how are they gonna be able to get out of this so, so those are just some of the things that i had on there i thought was pretty cool but yeah I'll, I'll go ahead and take us into episode four now and run through this here and then we'll you know go into our debates and finish up the episode but this episode opens up on asgard and we see ravona who's obviously much younger here and other Minutemen from the TVA show up, and basically what they do is they kidnap this little girl, and I, we can kind of assume who it is, you know, little like young, younger Sylvie, right? And they charge her with crime against the sacred timeline. But we realize, if you think about it, remember that like there was another judge. It wasn't Ravona who was a judge. She brought the child before the judge, so it was almost like uh, there was someone higher than Ravona at one point, and Ravona almost was similar to Hunter B12 as like the lead uh, Minute man minute woman whatever you want to call her so i thought that was pretty cool to to kind of notate uh little sylvie she's able to wriggle her way free of ravona out of her grip and pickpockets her temp pad kind of similar to how our low-key pickpocketed the little remote back in episode one for mobius uh but yeah she pickpockets the temp pad from ravona and opens a portal and she escapes and now that kind of jumps back to our present day ravona now we know why this case is so personal to her is because she's the one that allowed little Sylvie to escape and become who we know as the Sylvie today, who's been an absolute menace and nuisance to the TVA, killing all their Minutemen and, you know, eluding capture for all these years. So Ravona goes to the timekeeper's chambers. We see some cool glowing eyes and then the theme song hits. So we don't, we still don't get to see the, the timekeeper's faces quite yet, but we see like glowing eyes in the distance and they're like, they're like levitating in the, in the, in the chamber. So anyways, after the theme hits, uh, Mobius comes up to Ravona and asks for access to C20 because he thinks that through her, they may be able to track down where Loki and Sylvie went, but Ravona, she won't let him. And it's a little sketchy. Like, why can't he just ask this person questions? Uh, but the reason why is because Ravona tells Mobius that C20 is dead. She says that Syl like the Sylvie enchanted C20 and scrambled her mind so badly that she didn't survive it. But Mobius is rightfully confused because even Mobius said, yeah, she seemed a little out of it, but mostly fine. Like, she was coming back to herself, like, what do you mean? How, how did this all go sideways? And Ravona says, well, at first she was fine, but by the time that she got in there, C20 could barely speak and the decline was steeper after that. Uh, they're keeping it a secret though, because they don't want people at the TVA to panic. So and that was just, I think that was just a way to kind of placate Mobius. Like, oh, I'll tell you a little secret that no one else knows, so, but it's just between us, okay? You can, only you can know this, that uh, C20 is dead, but I'm trusting you with this information, so you're still in my good graces, but don't don't tell anyone else. So I think that was more of a power play on her part than her actually, you know, giving him any sort of real information. So then it, the the scene jumps back to Lamentus One in 2077 with Loki and Sylvie on the planet as it's getting demolished, or the moon as it's getting demolished. 
And Sylvie tells Loki that she remembers Asgard. Not much about it, but she remembers her home, her people, and her life. And this is a cool little quote that she says. She goes, The universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos. Like me, being born the goddess of mischief. And as soon as that created a big enough detour from the sacred timeline, the TVA showed up, erased my reality, and took me prisoner. I was just a child. I escaped, stole a tempad, and I ran for a long, long time, which really sucked. Everywhere and every when I went caused a nexus event, set up a smoke flare, because I'm not supposed to exist. Until eventually I figured out where to hide, and so that's where I grew up. The ends of a thousand, the ends of a thousand worlds. Now that's where I'll die. So that does explain the opening sequence flashback to her, you know, getting caught in Asgard and bringing before the judge and all that good stuff. Now the scene jumps back to the TVA, and Hunter B15 is asking for C20, and she looks like a bit shaken up too. And this is gonna be a fortune. She doesn't see like, cause like the whole time Hunter B15 has been very much like in control of everything. Like, like she's very much like strict and by the book and by the rules and like, no, there's not gonna be any sort of flex here. Like this is where it is and we're gonna follow this path to the T. But you see like she almost seems unsure of herself. She, she definitely seems confused a bit. And that is a big foreshadow for B15. So then it cuts back again to the, uh, the moon Lamentus one. And Sylvie asks if what makes Loki a Loki is a fact that they are destined to lose. And our guy Loki tells her no, that they may lose, but they don't die. They survive. So at this point, what we see is kind of what Chase was talking about last episode. Like this growing affection for each other. And so they kind of hold hands and we see we start to uh, get a, almost like, a, like that romantic connection, a romantic spark. And... What it does is it causes a nexus branch back at the TVA. You see all of a sudden you see this huge spike going back at the TVA. And on the screen, you see this huge spike going towards Redline. And so just before the destruction of Lamentus 1, two portals open up. And now Mobius and the Minutemen have the two Lokis in custody back at the TVA. So Loki tells Mobius the TVA is lying to him. But Mobius just laughs it off thinking that it's like a trick to save himself. And that, like, we learned that that's, you know, not really the case. But what Mobius ends up doing to Loki is he puts him in, a, like, a prison time cell. And what that ends up doing is has this one moment in Loki's life just keep replaying on a loop. And it's when he ended up uh, ha having a fun time with this lady and he decided to cut her hair off. And she kept going through it and just kept hitting him, throwing him on the ground, and then it would loop over and replay the whole thing over and over and over again. Enough to drive anybody crazy, really. Um, but while that's going on in the time cell, Mobius goes over to Ravona and asks if he can interview the other Loki variant, you know, Sylvie. And she says, no, that Sylvie is too dangerous. And <laughs> I thought this was a pretty funny quote from Mobius. He goes, you know, we've bought in Kree, Titans, vampires why is it the two orphan demigods are such a pain in the ass <laughs> so i thought that was pretty funny <laughs> that was awesome um, another hint to uh what we said in eternals by the way that they're gearing up for <laughs> right mm -hmm. and uh hunter b15 asks mobius if loki said anything to him and she looks shaken again still looks shaken and worried and mobius laughs it off again and says yeah uh he told me the tva is lying to me 
and then you start to see it does have an effect on B15. Now it goes back to Loki in the time cell, and the, the lady, like, he's trying his best to, to change the narrative so it's not the same thing playing a loop on loop instead of that. Now he, he does, like, this apologetic sort of tone and tries to make it seem like, okay, I'm very sorry, like, I shouldn't have done this, it wasn't funny, I'm just afraid I'm going to be alone, all this. And she, like, the the time cell apparently just doesn't care at all. That that loop there still doesn't get him what he wants. And she's like, yeah, you are alone and you always will be. And at that point, Mobius pulls him out of the time cell to talk. So Mobius asks him how long he's been working for Sylvie, which Loki takes offense to that. And Mobius asks if they're partners, and Loki says, absolutely not. So Mobius asks, okay, well, what caused the Nexus event on Lamentis? And Loki refuses to tell Mobius because... He thinks once he does, Mobius will prune him and be done with it. So it's like, well, once I give you the information you need, like, you don't need me anymore. Like, you're just going to zap me and I'm going to be gone. Like, no, I'm not going to tell you. So then Mobius goes to put Loki back in the time cell. And Loki comes up with this elaborate story that he himself, Loki, was pulling the strings all along. And that Sylvie came to him on Asgard a long time ago. And she took him to one of her apocalypses. And that's where they hatched the plan. And Loki says that Sylvie is a pawn. And that something very big is going to happen. And after it's done, he'll dispose of her. And Mobius fires back with an elaborate story of his own and tells Loki that they saved him the trouble of having to get rid of Sylvie because they pruned her already. That she broke free of her time cell and killed two Minutemen before Hunter B-15 was able to take her out. And that's where like Loki kind of puts on a brave very face, but his eyes give him away. And now Mobius knows the truth that Loki has affection for Sylvie. And Mobius even says, No wonder you have no clue what caused the Nexus event on Lamentis. Both of you are swooning over each other. It's the apocalypse. Two variants of the same being, especially you, forming this kind of sick, twisted, romantic relationship. That's pure chaos. That could break reality. It's breaking my reality right now. What an incredible seismic narcissist. You fell for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Um, but that, that's when Mobius breaks the news, like lets Loki off the hook and breaks the news that Sylvie is indeed still alive for now. So he can rest easy. She's not, she's not gone. Um, but Mobius asks Loki if infiltrating the TVA was part of the grand plan. And Loki tells them that their interests are aligned. And Mobius asks if they're trying to overthrow the timekeepers. So Loki... Again, tries to lay a little truth bomb on Mobius. He says, You're all variants. Everyone who works at the TVA. The timekeepers didn't create you. They kidnapped you from the timelines and erased your memories. Memories she can access through enchantment. So before this, you had a past. Maybe you had a family. A life. And Mobius says, Nice try. Thinking it's all a lie. And then Mobius tells Loki that he's going to close the case. He doesn't need Loki anymore and their interests are no longer aligned. And he goes to put him back in the time cell. But not before Loki says one last thing I think really resonated with Mobius. He says, you know, of all the liars in this place, and there are a great many, you're the biggest. And Mobius asks, why? Because I lied about your girlfriend? And Loki responds, oh no, that I can respect. I mean the lies you tell yourself. Like, ooh, all right, shaky with the quotes, man. That was good stuff. But uh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then talking about shaky, shaky with the quotes, we go back to Hunter B fifteen, and she is 
internally struggling with something. You can see it visibly on her. Like she's in the hallway and like she like has her hand on the wall and she's definitely having some sort of internal struggle. So she goes into the room where they are keeping Sylvie, opens up a tempad and has Sylvie go with her, which is way again way out of character for B15. She's someone who's like by the book, by the rules, does what she's told and there's no flex at all. There's no flexibility. This is what we're doing and now she disobeys orders goes and sees sylvie not only that she takes her to another location back to rock's cart through a tent pad something's going on so actually at that as that happens the scene cuts back over to ravona's office where she signs off on mobius's case report officially closing it and ravona tells mobius the timekeepers want to personally oversee sylvie's pruning and they want mobius to be there but mobius changes the subject and asks when Ravona first noticed what was going on with C20. And Ravona gives like this this bullshit ass answer, just kind of like sweeps it under the rug. And Mobi- Mobius even says, he's like, oh, something seems a bit off. Ravona basically tells him that he didn't want the same, she did like, you know, Ravona does not want what happened to C20, according to Ravona's story, to happen to Mobius. And that's why she wouldn't let Mobius interrogate Sylvie. So what ends up happening is he ends up distracting Ravona by saying, oh, well, you changed the subject. Well, now you've got this great like sword here as a trophy. Like, where are you going to put that? And she goes to take the sword and put it somewhere on her shelf of all the trophies that we talked about um, you know, last week. And uh, as she has her back turned, Mobius swaps temp pads with her. So obviously he doesn't trust her and what she's telling him. And now, after, as as it shows that as them swapping, like him swapping the temp pads down, puts hers in his jacket pocket. The scene cuts back to Alabama 2050 at the Roxcart Hurricane uh, Apocalypse that we saw in episode two last week. Um, that's where BB15 took Sylvie, and she confronts her about putting things in her head. But Sylvie tells her, like, I don't have the power to put anything in your head. I can only use what's already there. So then B15 asks Sylvie to show her the memories that she's forgotten. And so she does that. But before we kind of learn the outcome of it, the scene again cuts back to Mobius with Ravona's pad. He opens it up, like kind of where the evidence, it's not really a locker. Maybe it's like a partial library, partial evidence section of the TVA. I don't know. But it shows, he pulls up C20 on there, shows her status as deceased. And he clicks into the file and it shows C20 divulging the truth about her life and memory and how they're all variants. And then it says, uh, like, we're cutting this, and it stops. And he pauses it and sees Ravona's face on the temp pad. So you know that she's keeping all this a secret. That this is all, Everything that Loki told Mobius was not a lie. So Mobius goes to Loki's time cell, and he thinks that Loki's relationship with Sylvie could cause a Nexus event big enough to take down the whole TVA. So now Mobius, who's been all about the TVA his whole life, now he's like, shoot, these guys have been lying to me. I don't know what's real, what's not. We're going to take this bitch down. So <clears throat> Mobius tells Loki that Loki was right all along and that if he wants to save Sylvie, Loki has to trust Mobius. So Mobius takes him out of the time cell, and they're about to get to work, but immediately after getting out of that time cell, they're confronted by Ravona and four Minutemen. Mobius, like, they, like, she knows what he did. She knows they swapped temp pads, and she knows that he would be smart enough to look into it and see everything and so before what ends up happening he says one last quote and i thought this was nice of mobius good old mobius he says you know where i'd go if i could go anywhere 
wherever it is I'm really from. Yeah, wherever I had a life before the TVA came along. Maybe I had a jet ski. That's what I'd like to do. Just ride around in my jet ski. And Ravona says, prune him. And the Minuteman under her command hits Mobius with a pruning stick. And that's all for our guy Mobius. He's dead and gone. Or is he? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they end up taking Loki. Uh, and they said to hold him at the elevator there. And so they, they take Loki to the elevator there. And Ravona goes to get Sylvie as well. And she finds out B-15 was in there. And she has her men put out an alert to go find B-15 saying, B-15 has also been compromised by the variant. Which isn't true. But she d- can't let this truth get out that the TVA is all a lie. So she is going to say that, oh, it was all Sylvie's fault. Sylvie used her powers to, to trick her. And, you know, so now we got to get rid of B-15 too because she's compromised. But, um, yeah, they're, they're doing their best to keep up the charade, man. So, anyways, they end up taking Sylvie to the elevators with Loki. And before they they end up finally entering the golden elevators, right? Now, these are the golden elevators that are going to take you to the timekeepers. This is where Loki and Sylvie wanted to go the whole time. But now they're there, but in collars and under the they're captives of Ravona. And so Sylvie asks Ravona what Sylvie's nexus event was that caused all of this and for her to be taken from her family. And Ravona tells her that she can't even remember. So like basically she's saying, your life was so insignificant that I don't even know why we had to end it. Like That's so crazy. That was so insulting. But anyways, the elevator is open and Loki and Sylvie are taken in front of the timekeepers by Ravona. We meet the timekeepers, and they basically try and ridicule, ridicule Loki and Silly for their attempts and order them to be deleted. But before that happens, Hunter B-15 comes in, and with her remote, she removes the collars on both Loki and Sylvie and throws Sylvie her sword that Ravona had put up in the office on the trophy mantle. And she must have, B-15 must have gone back when they put the hit out for her, must have gone back to Ravona's office and grabbed Sylvie's sword, because that's what she threw to her. And now it's fight time, baby. Uh, Ravona goes one-on-one with Sylvie and Loki is fighting two-on-one and uh, both uh, Sylvie and Loki end up prevailing in that moment now now it's funny because now that the tables have turned the timekeepers now they want to reason like oh you know, even though they were talking all this big shit when they were prisoners about to be executed now that they've got the upper hand the timekeepers like oh wait let, let's talk about this now hey oh, okay alright timekeepers uh, but Sylvie launched her sword at the middle timekeeper and it decapitated its head. And then as it fell to the ground, the head did, the other timekeepers start like laughing. And it's like, <laughs> and the, the Sylvie and Loki pick up the decapitated head and realize that the timekeepers are actually fake mindless androids. So the timekeepers aren't even real. And now, so the question is still out there. The timekeepers aren't real. Who created the TVA? And Loki goes to tell Sylvie something important. Like, like he's like, all right, listen, Sylvia, I've got to tell you something. He grabs her by her shoulders and, and something is like, I really think that he was about to tell Sylvie that he loved her, but as he fumbles to spit it out, because like, again, that's just my opinion. Cause he actually didn't get to say anything. He just said, I've got something important to tell you. And like, was like trying to, took a deep breath and trying to spit it out. So my thought process, this is just me as, as Josh here thinking that he was going to confess his feelings for her. He didn't get the opportunity to because he took so long trying to say it. Ravona actually pruned Loki from behind. And now our Loki that we've known 
for all these years from the first Avengers through Infinity War, he's um, finally gone. He's dead. Or is he? And then uh, from there, Sylvie disarms Ravona, and Ravona tells Sylvie, okay, well, go ahead and do it, like to prune her. But Sylvie refuses and says, you're going to tell me everything. And that is the end of the episode. But there is an after credit scene. And the after credit scene, we realize Loki is like, our Loki that just got pruned wakes up on some sort of ground in some location. And he, he's like, he he's lying on his back and he asks himself audibly out loud is this hell am i dead and an unknown voice answers back not yet but you will be unless you come with us and the screen pans over to four different variations of loki and this is like a full circle from when mobius said a few episodes ago that they pruned a lot of loki variants remember that when he said like like yep. more more than almost any other uh, variant out there and that is what ends the episode episode four here so did you have anything that you want to add anything that i missed that you want to sneak in there uh was that pretty good what did you think no you crushed it that was great um the only little part that i guess i'll sneak in here real quick is just when mobius was talking to loki and you know loki was telling him everything that was going on so he was finding out the truth he just says, uh, "At I supposed to trust the word of two Lokis? And then Loki said, how about the word of a friend? So it just goes to show, like, you can definitely tell, uh, I guess he respects Mobius in some way, but I guess they're sort of developing what I would call, like, a friendship at this point. Like, where he's actually starting to trust who he is versus just some mischievous con artist. <laughs> so yeah but yeah man no great stuff let's jump into the debate stuff well before we do that like what are some of your takeaways on this episode what are some of the things that stood out to you like the important key things that you know that, that left you with when you watched the, the, this episode yeah well one was that oh shit moment where you're like wow <laughs> that happened fast i guess this version of loki is dead <laughs> until the very end there of course um a lot of action especially you had that last jedi moment where the timekeepers their heads get cut off and then their bodies just fall over and you're like is this snoke all over again like what the hell is going on man so i think this was the moment where it was really that i don't want to say like climax moment it wasn't a climax moment but it was like that pivotal turning point where the directions all change now like everything we knew isn't what we knew so you know it's kind of like in harry potter like when they were saying like everything keeps leading to more questions who's <laughs> finding out about horcruxes now we're like finding out just about more and more and more so uh but i think this was one of those definitely action-packed moments but a pivotal point um with a lot of information that's that's vital because it was it's going in a direction that we didn't expect i would say is what i took away from it yeah i would say some of the bigger things that i took away from this episode is we're starting to see the the whole lie of the tva coming to light little by little you know like 
the whole lies Ravona said about C20 being compromised and how like, her mind cracked and she ended up dying. Like we learned that, that that's not what happened. They had to kill her to keep her silent so the truth didn't get out that you know the TVA didn't create all these people. The time Pickers didn't create all these people. Uh, you know these people were stolen from their timelines to be a part of the TVA, and that um, yeah, this is good. I think it's even a turning point for for Loki as well in terms of like you were talking about that moment you have a Mobius and trusting him as a friend. Uh, it's not really, that's not really the nature of Loki that we've known. He's been some, he's been the God of mischief this, this whole time that we've known Loki as a Marvel character. And this is the first time that you can almost conceivably believe that he's turning a page and, you know, becoming a better version of himself and becoming better. Uh, you know, not just trying to look out for his own interests someone who's like hey there's a lot going on here like let's work together and like let's be real about it so uh then obviously like you were talking about the timekeepers oh shit they're not the ones who are really in control so that leaves us the question well who the hell is in control of everything so these are some of the, the big moments that, that we're left with we also in the very beginning of the episode we get to see where sylvie came from and why she is the way she is where they try to kidnap her as a child and she's been running on the go since that age of i don't know maybe what 10 11 and has now she's a i don't know in her thir- like 40s i don't know she's been running for years and years and time passes differently in these locations too so we have no idea how long she's been on the run for you know it's um in the other part too and i and i think this really goes into the episode that you covered when she talked about sylvie talked about how she had to go back hundreds of years to get to those memories of c20 hundreds of years like that means that 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 she's not they're not aging like basically right she's, yeah like, c20 looks like big. she's you know maybe late 20s 30 years old who knows but now how long have these guys been trapped here you know and do they realize how long they've been trapped here because we know time passes differently but when have been these people been taken what's the motive behind taking certain people over other like I don't know. There's just a lot of questions that it breeds. A lot of moments that are like, "Oh shoot," we get some explanations towards things, and then, yeah, the, uh, the like you said, the big ones, like the whole the character that this whole show's about, looks like he's gone until the after credit scene, and then again, the timekeeper is like, "Oh well, they're not in control, so who is?" Uh, so that's that's the takeaways I had. But uh, go ahead and hit hit us with your uh, your first debate. Yeah, uh, I guess. I usually think of one after you. <laughs> so let me see if I can think of one real quick. I well, guess, you, yeah. If you want, you I, can, I can do my debate for these two episodes. Like, my question is, is that it's, this is really kind of transpires from the episode you took more than it does episode four. But my question is, we've seen Loki in a lot of other Marvel films kind of disappear places and reappear other ones where he wants to. Now, you remember when... They went through that portal and went to Lamentus One, that planet, that moon that was getting destroyed as the planets like crashed into each other, and him and Sylvie were fighting. He got his magic back. So my question is like, why the fuck didn't he just not magic himself off that planet back to wherever he wanted to go? He had his magic back. He's able to use his full powers. Why did he stick around? Is there like rules to it to where like he can only use certain parts of his magic? I don't know because then we saw that building fall and he used his abilities to push the building back up. So you got to assume he's got full access to his powers. And if that's the case, 
Like, how many times has he shapeshifted and, you know, made people think they killed him when they really haven't and he's disappeared to other planets? Why didn't he just do that? Was that, is that like a plot hole? Is that something like, you know, I don't know, man. Did he want to stick around because he wanted answers? Is that what it is? He wanted to get to the bottom of it? It was like, it was so curious to him that, you know, it was more important to, you know, not escape, but to get to the bottom of the stuff. Was he not able to escape? I don't know, man. That's, that's kind of my debate. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, Loki, from my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, he can't just transport to other planets. Every time he's gone to another planet, it was like in the Thor films in Asgard. They like, just like they showed in the episode we talked about last week when they were doing the whole flight robbery and stuff in the first episode, like he was transported to Asgard when the gatekeeper who was, um, can't think of his name he's in like Hobbs and Shaw Fast and Furious he like would use that sword to send that bridge down that would teleport them over there or even on when the ship was going to blow up uh, in Infinity War it was that guy that like the same guy he was like stabbed by Ebony Maw that was going to kill him and then he used the last of his powers to transport Thor before it blew up so i don't think loki can ever just transport himself like he can make images and mirror images and photocopy things even stop buildings but just kind of it's kind of like wanda like same thing wanda can't just like pull a goku and trans instant transmission <laughs> somewhere i don't think so i think that's really why they couldn't just get off the planet that way well, here's the thing: is like when I I almost got it from their fight alone. Remember, like she like tries to swing at him, but he like disappears in that location and reappears behind her. Like you know what I mean? Like he can he can take himself in and out, and we we got to see that like on screen, like take himself out of one location and put himself in another location. So it's like if you can do that, and we've seen you know someone kill what we thought was Loki, and he ended up shape shifting out of that body and but disappeared. Like I don't know. I, I, he obviously has some ability to disappear and reappear places and maybe it's only within a certain radius <laughs> but then I, I would love to see that power kind of explained you know because in that we can see it in that episode when they were fighting each other on lamentus when they were going back and forth like she swipes at him but he like disappears there and reappears behind her so we can definitely transport i just don't know what the limitations are or like if there are any limitations and if they're not like um, why didn't he go? And if there are limitations, why weren't the limitations explained? I don't know. That's just my thought on it. Yeah. See, my thought on it, it's not transporting when he's doing that. I think that's an illusion. Like, I think he takes the illusion of what's around him to look like nothing's there when really he's in another location and then the illusion comes down and he's there. Based on the fact of when he was talking about, you know, photocopying and mirror imaging someone's DNA or the illusions of things around him. That's what I took it as. But, I mean, maybe he could. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I don't know everything there is to know about Loki. So, if there's a Loki expert, so, leave us a comment. <laughs> well, guess. here it is. Like, like Loki's on-screen powers. Uh, Loki's magical abilities include astral projection, shape-shifting, hypnosis, molecular rearrangement, energy blasts, levitating, conjuration cryokinesis telekinesis and teleportation 
So if his ability, like he's got teleportation abilities, like yeah, I guess it could be. I don't know, man. Like that was that's right there from uh, yeah, that, that's right on Marvel.com actually, guys. If you're wondering where I got that from, that's right on uh, www.marvel.com. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, see, I was thinking it was just like astral projection or molecular <laughs> rearrangement. Uh, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean then there's to answer your question at that point then there's got to be limitations to it otherwise he could just teleport everywhere right because i know he couldn't use his powers in the tv like he wasn't able to do anything because like i think that's what he was trying to do at the beginning of it when he was remember when he went before ravona sitting up at the judges table and he was like i'm guilty of this and he tried to like i think he tried to like yeah tr- to transport himself <laughs> out of there or, or break out of the collar like i don't know what it was but um see yeah and you just said like teleportation is one of his powers so it's like i don't know part of me wonders if like he could have teleported himself out but he wanted to stick around to see this see this through because it could have devastating effects no matter where he went he would always know like something's going on with cvs maybe he wanted to stick around maybe it was a uh, conscious choice to do it but then that couldn't that wouldn't make really much sense because he was just about to allow themselves to die on Lamentus. They were just going to sit there until the TVA came through the doors and took them through it. So like, I don't know. It's a bit confusing. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, maybe the planet didn't allow him to just transport though <laughs> i guess just like the other one couldn't he couldn't use magic on so but yeah it's a good question i don't know i don't have an answer for it i wish i did but i don't yeah <laughs> me either like yeah either there's like some sort of something that wasn't explained uh we now know from marvel.com itself that loki's powers include teleportation show so if he's able to use his magic on that planet which he was able to he should have been able to teleport off of it um so my only thought is like he must have wanted to stay, but then that wouldn't really have made sense for them just sitting down there on Lamentus One, ready to accept their fate of death until the TVA came through and grabbed them. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a plot hole. If that's something that you know we're just supposed to not think about and say, hey, you guys, just brush that under the rug. I don't know. Just something that came to my mind. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I guess there really is no answer to that debate. I don't really know either. Something to think about, though. So uh, that was the one that I had. What, what do you have on your end? Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing I could really think of is as far as, I mean, was this kind of like, do you think this was the original plan with the timekeepers for which we'll go into next week? Or do you think this was kind of like a a last Jedi moment where maybe like part of the way through, then they thought, you know, we can take this even further with something better. Or do you think this was the plan from the beginning, like Daenerys Targaryen? <laughs> I think this was the plan from the beginning. Just because at, at the first introduction of Loki into the TVA, once he was there as a prisoner, all he was doing was mocking them, calling them space lizards and all that, like not taking them yeah. seriously. And like it was foreshadowing, you know, them not being all powerful or whatever. So like, I definitely think that it was the plan all the time is, you know, what, what, what could have been cooler is that they kept up the straight a little bit longer than the fourth yeah. episode. But then again, with a six episode series, I guess the fourth is kind of towards the end a bit. I don't know. Um, but they seem to kind of, they, but we didn't really get much from them, right? We didn't get to see them, you know, build up to the timekeepers at all. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like almost similar to Eternals. I don't draw any connection to the, 
timekeepers. I don't know why they're important. They're just kind of there, and then they weren't. You know, so yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think it's I think it was the original plan was to have someone pulling the strings even beyond the timekeepers, and then being like almost almost an illusion themselves. But uh, I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think the same thing. I think this is one of those few rare cases where this was actually the plan for that. Because we did kind of get that Snoke moment where you're like, wow, like you kind of built all the way up to this and that's it. <laughs> like, all right, like, cool. But, uh, yeah, I think that goes more in the next week of what we'll talk about on why this really was the plan for this. Um, I guess I would say here's another part two of that debate is do you think loki's always had really deep down really intentions for gellert grindelwald the greater good or do you think it really has been for his own like selfish need like going all the way back to original avengers like causing the army on new york and uh, you know, betraying Thor and all this different stuff. Do you think this was just for, has he said to Mobius, the mischief, or do you think it was for his own internal greed? I think it was for his own personal gain, but I think in his mind that once he was given what in his mind he he was owed, that he was going to try and be the best like ruler that he could be like i i, I think like it, he wanted something went, went about the wrong ways to get it but if he had gotten it i think uh i don't know i i, I still think it wouldn't have been he, he would have been like the dictator type of deal he wouldn't have been like a good ruler by any means um but i think he would have stopped doing like actively bad things you know uh so I still think that it was selfish intention because he felt like he was owed something, you know, that, that like life and the world and Asgard and his parents and his brother all owed him something. And so he was going to he was going to get what he was owed by any means necessary. So I do think it was like a selfish, you know, like o overall it was a selfish mentality, but I don't think like in his mind, he's like, I'm just going to hurt these people and kill them just for the sake of causing pain and hurt. Like he had a goal in mind uh, but I definitely think it was a selfish motivation. Yeah, I think the same thing. I think it was a selfish motivation, but almost like he had to keep up that image because that's like his role kind of in life. But last part of that debate is why do you think it took someone like Mobius to really bring out the good in Loki versus everyone else he's been in contact with his life, such as odin or thor or the avengers you know all these people that gellert grindelwald says right <laughs> for the greater good or you know all the people that are supposedly good guys like why is it it took someone like mobius that really is kind of almost like him in a way like for his own selfish intentions <laughs> like to bring out the good side of loki like why do you think that is well, I don't think it was just Mobius. I think Sylvie had a lot to do with it too, but them together mm -hmm. kind of really helped change his perspective on things. And the reason why I think it is is because it, I think Loki had this perception that, you know, Odin and Thor and the other Avengers like looked down at Loki, like like he wasn't as good as them. And so like 
any like if they tried to reason with him, they, they wouldn't be able to see where Loki's coming from because they don't view Loki on the same level in, in Loki's own mind. And so someone like so lowly, like a regular old guy like Mobius, who can't really look down at Loki because he doesn't have any abilities or anything like that. He's just a normal person. Um, I think it it, ha- it it resonates more with him because what did even what you said? What did Mobius say? He's like, I'm a, I'm honestly a fan. Like, I'm a fan. Like he like yeah. he likes like he you know enjoys Loki's work so to speak. And you know so it, I think it took someone that is below Loki. And so that Loki didn't feel like he had to prove himself to anyone because this guy obviously doesn't have any sort of powers or any sort of ability or anything. He's just a normal human. Um, it took something like that for him to, you know, for it to click in his head that, oh, shoot, like maybe I am just doing things where well, other people, it's like he had to prove something to them. Like, I am as good as you and this is how I'm going to show it. And, you know, that, that's my thought. What about you? Yeah, I think I think you're dead on. I think this is one of the few times we've agreed on like every all three debates I just threw at you. <laughs> um, I think too, in a way though, I think it's also the fact of it's tough to say. Like I think it's I think he was also shocked that Mobius, someone of that low level caliber, I think in Loki's mind in a way just like you said i think a lot of the avengers have looked down on him but as far as normal people i think he sees himself above everybody just like how he saw he always introduces himself as i am the god of mischief like or how he said in avengers like how dare you i am a god like when hulk was smashing him up and down so i think in a way if you look at it this way i think mobius that's a regular guy like even going back to episode one, like he called Loki a pussycat. <laughs> like you're a pussycat. Like I don't know who the fuck you think you are coming up in here thinking you're some big fucking deal. Like we're not going to stop you with your magic and shit. And like Mobius is like a normal guy and he just couldn't believe that, you know, he called him out on his shit like he did and will sink straight down to his level. Also, I think the fact of, like, Mobius is, in a way, a little bit like Loki. Like, I don't think, like, yeah, I think he does things for the good, but I think it's almost kind of like that dirty fight thing. Like, he'll still do whatever it takes to get the job done. Like, you know, not really any remorse. Like, I think, in the end, I don't think he would, you know, would have pruned Loki or anything himself, but, you know... I don't it's the fact of I don't think Mobius is gonna put up with bullshit either like just doesn't care so that's my opinion on it but yeah man no good stuff yeah I guess uh one thing I'll say about the two is like I don't I don't think Mobius has any ulterior motives other than just finding out the truth about himself you know like I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that um like he would sneak to like stoop to like weird levels and be like destructive or anything like that I think that he'll be he'll he'll like lie or like do like little white fibs and stuff like that to try to manipulate situations and manipulate like because maybe remember like there was one part and it wasn't something that we covered because the, the dialogue wasn't that important between the two characters, but uh, he's like you dare to try to manipulate me like Loki said that to uh, yeah. to Mobius about like try, basically like Mobius wants, tries to goad them he he's a master interrogator that's what Mobius is like he's really good at getting under your skin. But I don't think like um, he has any sort of like malice to him. I don't think there's any sort of like you know bad guy tendencies 
that there's like lines for sure that Mobius wouldn't cross. Where with Loki, like if it really came down to it, he would cross any line if it meant like getting a job done for sure. Yeah, so, for um, sure, definitely. That's what I thought on there, but yeah, I guess that really kind of closes us out here today. I mean, you know what we covered here today is episode three and four in season one of Loki. Last week we covered episodes one and two, and next week we're gonna finish out Loki with episodes five and six it's gonna get even bigger and better from here it's one of the series that you know each episode it it keeps up on the steep incline so we're really excited to close out loki with you all next week if this is your first time joining us welcome to chase and josh factor fantasy we're very happy to have you there's many places where you can follow us Uh, if you are an existing listener thank you for the support over the past almost two years we're coming up almost at a two-year anniversary here so uh thank you for the continued support and again for those new people you can find us anywhere that you get your podcast uh so if you guys do us a favor go ahead and click like subscribe leave us a review uh we are on all the social media sites you can follow us there on instagram we are at official ridiculous patronus on instagram at ridiculous patronus on tiktok at rp factor fantasy on twitter at RP Factor Fantasy on Snapchat. We are on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We also have a secondary Instagram account uh, at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Same thing with a TikTok on that end, at fact underscore or underscore fantasy, where on those you'll see only things related to exactly what we do on the show. Uh, with our, our at official Dickios, uh, Patronus Instagram, you may see some other things are relative to what we cover, but maybe not specifically things that we have done or are on the docket to do. So that's just the difference between those two Instagrams. And while we have two different ones, we want one that's specific to the show and ones that we can kind of branch out and do other fun things that are similar. Um, on top of that, you know, where we talked about, you can find us anywhere that you get your podcast. If you have an iPhone, you're an Apple person, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on uh Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android person, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Podbean, our amazing host site. Anywhere that you can get podcasts, Audible being one of them as well, Amazon Music. So if you got a, a, you know whatever your favorite platform to listen to podcasts on, Chase and I are on it. You can find us anywhere at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. So uh, oh, and additionally, uh, you know, I, I never want to understate this. We do have our own website too. It's uh, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com, and Chase has been really great about keeping that updated there as well. So with that being said, guys, we'll go ahead and close out for today. Looking forward to finishing Loki next week. That's all for now, guys. You know that this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing Signing off. off.